Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. G'day. Welcome once again to the Match Day Gagan Pod. I'm Richard Bayless and it's great to have you with us. Coming up on the show today, we'll talk about every match on part B of Match Day 3 in the UEFA Champions League. We almost hit the record for the most goals ever on a match day because it was a really dramatic week. A good win for Chelsea once again, Manchester United, a bad defeat and there was a fair bit in between. The big dogs are really coming to the fore at the halfway stage. We'll take you through the results. Mark Schwartz is with us in a moment. A little bit later on, John Aloisi joins us. But from the start, our sports editor, as always, Dave Wiener. Hello, Dave. Morning, Rich. We're being greedy asking for the record because we've got plenty of entertainment and we would just one short, as you said. Yeah, the record of 68. We were so close. 63, I should say. Um, I'm getting carried away. We got 62. I thought yesterday, pointing it out, uh, we actually won't get anywhere near it because yesterday was a goal fest. But we uh, one short. I always wonder why I'm so knackered at about 9.30 on a Champions League morning. And when you, when you think about 67 goals, 68 goals in the space for two days, I think I know why now. And the challenge for everyone else on this podcast today, can you get a better word of the day in than knackered? So far, <laughs> Dave is uh, top of the leaderboard. Let's bring in Mark Schwarzer and have a chat about Chelsea because they were 3-0 winners against Wren. They're yet to concede in the group stage, seven points from three matches. Schwartzy, you were there. Was it an impressive performance from Chelsea? Because they had two penalties in the first half that were converted by Timo Werner, and from there they just didn't really have to do much, did they? No, I thought they were pretty much in cruise control, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, but, listen, they, I mean, they did start the game pretty brightly. Um, obviously, Timo Werner winning the penalty, stepping up himself to take it, then, um, and, and, and he, you know, he smashed it in the back of the net. You know, we saw that you know, Gomez got reasonably close to it, but... I think the power was too much. But from that point onwards, um, I thought Wren came into it a little bit and it wasn't until the controversial decision to give Chelsea another penalty uh, that I think the game kind of then just sort of petered out a little bit and sort of became a bit of a formality for Chelsea. You mentioned that controversial penalty, Dave. Uh, we'll talk the listeners through it. So basically, it wasn't given initially. Mm. It was a double ricochet into the hands of Dalbert or Dalbert, if you would like. Uh, the referee immediately waved it away. It was only about five metres away. The ref went to VAR, had a good old look at it. Not only was it given as a handball, but it was also a second yellow for Dalbert. He's off, and the whole face of the game has changed. In, in, the funny thing about this is, in theory, it actually should have been a perfect case of VAR. Sitting in the in the room with you and Carl Robertson watching the game, I hadn't seen the ricochet off his own body. Carl hadn't seen the ricochet off the other player. You'd seen the ricochet off the other player. So if the referee's missed all that, great. Go over to the screen, have a look, and see the ricochet that's hit uh, the player in the arm. But instead, the rule has been misinterpreted. Now, the, the rule actually says that if there is a deflection off that lower part of the body, there is a little bit of rigor room for the arbitrary decision of if you're arm is away from your torso or your body and it hits you in that area, it is now a penalty. Now, in the Premier League, I can, I'll can i read you this verbatim. 
Premier League players will be allowed extra leeway when it comes to ricocheted handballs. So a handball will not be awarded if the ball touches a player's hand or arm directly from their own head, body or foot or the head, body or foot of another player who is close nearby. That sounds like a common sense interpretation. That's really interesting because we said on the coverage almost, you know, without that fact to back it up, I don't think that would be given in the Premier League. And the fact is that it wouldn't. Anyway, it was given. I think that the bigger part was the second yellow card and it just completely changes the game. Schwartzy, what was the reaction like in the, the stadium? Because we didn't get the crowd obviously reacting to it. Uh, but what was it like on the, the various touchlines when that incident happened? Well, you could see, I mean, you would have sort of seen it on the coverage, you know, that the Ren players obviously were, were were completely surprised. I, I haven't thought Chelsea played. I mean, there was a bit of a shout for the handball um, during the game, but then then that was sort of kind of waved on a bit. Um, and then and then when the decision was made or when the when the first the, the, the information came up on the board about a penalty decision being reviewed, I thought it was a I thought the reaction was they were a bit surprised. Um, and even more surprised when he went to his pocket to pull out a second yellow card. Um, I, I can understand why he gives the penalty because his arms are, are in a slightly unnatural and making his body a little bit bigger. I can understand that aspect of it. I mean, the ricochets are another aspect, and, and I think he's really harsh done by to have actually had a penalty first and foremost given against him. And obviously, I mean, the complete smack in the face is the referee giving him a second yellow. Um, so I thought that was a really poor decision from the referee. The talking point before this one, apart from Chelsea's great run at the moment, Mendy, what a signing. Six clean sheets out of seven. Only conceded one and against his former club. He was never going to. It was always going to be the story. But Kai Havertz, the story, Dave, today before the game, tested positive for COVID. Almost doesn't matter. Not because he's not a great player. He maybe hasn't hit his stride yet at Chelsea, but they've just got so much in there to put in. No worries. Jorginho comes in, runs the show as normal. They've got such a good squad. They can deal with this more than or better than almost anybody else. Indeed. Well, this is modern football in, in 2020, isn't it? Players getting ruled out for COVID and, and now we look for the repercussions of what will happen for Chelsea or other teams that, that they come across. But it, it, indeed, it actually gives Lampard a little bit of an easier selection in, in the short term in terms of who he picks because Christian Pulisic is also out injured. And Schwartz, I'd love to know what you've made uh, of the last couple of games where there have been a few different formations trying a few different players, but um, is that Werner, Abraham slash Giroud, Ziyech probably the way forward in the next couple of weeks for Lampard to get the best out of his attacking riches? And, and who do you think sits behind them? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think uh, Mason Mount has an opportunity now to, to stake a little bit of a claim, um, or at least at least to show that he's you know that, that he's uh, that he's knocking on the door because Kai Havertz, like you're saying, there hasn't quite. Uh, lived up to expectations, certainly hasn't lived up to the price tag as yet. Um, I, I find him a little bit of a timid kind of character, um, but a player that has everything, it's just whether or not he delivers it week in, week out. Um, and obviously there's now that bit of breathing space for Mason Mount to, to state that claim. Um, I, I think the I think the four, so to speak, that play today will be his kind of main four going forward, but definitely for the for the short term. Um, and, and, you know, listen, Chelsea want to compete on all fronts. They like... They're like all the other top teams in the league. They're going to have to rotate players. Um, but I think over the next couple of weeks, you'll find with Chelsea, they'll probably try and keep some stability with their formation. Before we let you go, Schwartzy, <laughs> final question. Can this Chelsea team win the Champions League this season? Uh, I, listen, I, I mean, I, if I compare to, you know, who I think is still the best team at the moment in, 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 the, in Europe, in, in Bayern Munich, 
Um, I, I think they're a little bit off by Munich at the moment. However, um, you know, listen, Champions League finals a long, long way away. Um, and, and even though a team may be performing really well now, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be backing up by the time Champions League final comes along. They've got the makings of being a very good side, um, Chelsea. But there's a long way to go to get there to be consistently perform at the level that, say, Bayern Munich is doing. Yep, fair call. And I'm sure Chelsea fans will be pretty happy to keep it under wraps for the moment. Maybe silently optimistic, though. Schwartzy, we'll uh, let you crack on. We'll catch you on the weekend, mate. All the best. Cheers, guys. Cheers. So elsewhere in this group, Dave, this morning, Sevilla, who we very much expect to be up there with Chelsea, are in the end. They're on seven points too. Dramatic, though, against the Russian team, Krasnodar. They were down to 10 men, and they still found a way to win. So last week, Bridget was giving it to me because of uh, I was very flattering of Krasnodar's efforts against Chelsea, and, and uh, you know, it was, a, it was asked, am I the man for the consolation prize? But you know what? Krasnodar had a crack against Wren, they had a crack against Chelsea, and here they were, it came to the fore when they were leading at Sevilla 2-0. Sevilla haven't lost at home in Europe for years upon years. Unfortunately, they did bottle it, and there was some great character from Julian Lopetegui's side to come back with a man down, because Jesus Navas was sent off just before halftime for a last man uh, challenge. But I think it's a really important win for them. Actually, not so much for the Champions League, because you expect them to go through with Sevilla, but they're 16th with uh, Chelsea. But they're 16th in La Liga. Mm. So this is a really big tonic for them to try and make sure they can uh, arrest their, their poor form domestically. The Gig and Pod will be back in 20 seconds. Once you're done with this episode, though, take a moment to look up Two Sharp Reds. Socceroos great Mark Schwarzer is joined by Ollie Geel to talk about the lighter side of world football with a real focus on the day-to-day of the Premier League. Two Sharp Reds from Optus Sport. Available where you get your podcasts. Now, back to the Gig and Pod. In Group F, a couple of results came through this morning. Zenit and Lazio played out a one-all draw. Impressive from Lazio on the road. Tough place to go, St. Petersburg, and they've got heaps of players out to Lazio. Club Brews, meanwhile, will know. Match for Dortmund. Haaland on the score sheet again, just for something different. They lead that group, look pretty good at the turn. Now, let's turn our attention, Dave, to Group H, because Manchester United, the first English team to drop points. It was going to happen at some stage, but the way United started this campaign... You didn't necessarily think it would be them. Headline-wise, what a result this is. It completely opens up Group H, by the way. Completely opens up Group H. United had the chance to take control of it. They bottled it. And after the 5-0 win last week, what they did against Arsenal, what they've done here, the headlines since that early kickoff through till now when we record this have absolutely exploded uh, in England. You know, Paul Scholes called the opening goal under 10s defending. I thought that was quite generous. I thought it was more under 8s, if I'm honest with you. You wouldn't get away with it there. How they get away with it in a professional game in the Champions League is quite extraordinary. The defensive problems continue. The attacking combinations continue. And Dembaba... Racing forward with it to put it, to put the ball home, shades dare I say it of that goal against Liverpool when he was playing for Chelsea. This time he left his teammate Nemanja Matic, his former teammate Nemanja Matic, for dead. And uh, incredible scenes. And it was only about twelve or eighteen months ago. Denver Bar was out here in Australia. We spoke to him at Optus Sport. He was actually fishing for an A-League contract, and he's over there, Istanbul, Besiktas here, the champions in Turkey, getting the points against Manchester United. Let's bring in John Aloisi, who was on the coverage this morning. John, this result, as Dave mentioned, it's already reverberating around England in particular, given what happened at the weekend. That's now two defeats in a row for United. They don't do themselves any favours, do they? Because defensively for both goals, they were in absolute shambles. Yeah, especially on that first one. Uh, you know, I heard what Paul Scholes said, uh, under eight, 
and it was well, under 10. Dave said under 8, and I agree <laughs> with him. But uh, were, I was disappointed. And look, there should be coaching on the pitch. There should be leadership on the pitch. I get that. And, um, you know, normally you have those leaders that do coach on the pitch, like Liverpool have had uh, in the last few seasons with Van Dijk. Um, he's a coach out there. But if you haven't, then you need to coach from the sideline. And now where there's no crowd or there's limited crowd, you should be able to hear the coach on the sideline. And you see it with Guardiola, you see it with Arteta, you see it with Klopp. I don't see it with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and I think that's a big issue because either he doesn't see it or he doesn't want to coach it because he wants his players to come up with the solutions. Now, when they're not coming up with the solutions, you need to be there for them, and he is not at the moment. Is it just a matter of time with Solskjaer? Because, yeah, he's had some good runs. Before this week, they were in some good form. But this keeps on happening, doesn't it? Can you see a situation where if they lose to Everton at the weekend, the night... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Will genuinely be out or does he just have enough credit in the bank for some reason that it's still a while off until the real pressure intensifies? Uh, I think that um, his credit is running out. Yes, he had a big win against Leipzig and uh, and also against PSG. Yes, he looked uh, like he might have turned things around with the win against Newcastle. Um, but then that draw against Chelsea and then uh, again on the weekend against Arsenal, they didn't create any chances. They look like they run out of ideas when teams uh, work them out, uh, stop the space in behind for their quick players like Rashford, Martial, and also Greenwood when he plays. And that's an issue because you have to be able to adapt. Liverpool do. I know Liverpool are one of the best teams in Europe at the moment. But, uh, you know, they're able to catch teams on the counter-attack like they did with Atalanta. But also when teams sit off, they have ideas of how to break them down. With Man United, it just looks like they play off the, the cusp all the time. And uh, you can't just rely on that. You have to have a structure and a system. And I think he's going to be under serious pressure, Rich. I think that uh, the time will come where they're just going to have to call call it a day for him. Timing is everything. And I don't think it's any coincidence, John, that uh, Mauricio Pochettino made his big Monday night football appearance on Sky Sports. Um, that the manager's always looking for some work. Come come back into the spotlight via that forum and, and timing is everything. But what you just said actually was where I was going to point to the next next question about Solskjaer and his major flaw. Everyone talks about the, the defensive problems. And do you know what? Sometimes the proverbial happens. Sometimes S happens. And you can see it a crap goal. What, shit? <sighs> Kagan Pod's now R-rated. Um, sometimes crap happens. And you know, the first goal happens, you want to see how a side bounces back. But I actually said yesterday to you, Rich, will this be a snort performance from United? When Istanbul, Basaksha here sit back, will United have the answers? And again, they didn't. And, and John, as a coach, like, is that where it gets to the point where, and you're watching United and you're going, he's had 100 games now and you're not seeing actually any concertable, concertable, there you go. There's my second word of the week. I've made one up. You've stepped in for Bridgie this week. <laughs> Any concerted <laughs> plan. Um, 
that he has he hasn't developed that. And he United's success is actually strictly in games against big opponents like PSG and Leipzig, who do want to play. So we've all been lured into a real false sense of security over United because of those kind of performances. Yeah, look, with with other teams, I see clear patterns. You know, even with Arsenal, I know they haven't uh, been too convincing in terms of uh, you know winning big uh, in in their results. You know, when they do win, it's only by the odd goal here or there. But you see clear patterns with and without the ball. Uh, with United, you don't see those patterns. You, you only see it when they they do counter the opposition and. Uh, and you're right, you know, it was a good test for them this morning. They went behind. Yes, it was a bad goal. Yes, it was a, a defensive mistake. But we also saw that with uh, RB Leipzig this morning. Apakanu made that uh, terrible mistake and they found a way to come back. We saw it with Sevilla 2-0 down at home, haven't been scoring goals, and they found a way to come back and score three goals. Um, with Man United, you see when they do go behind, very rarely do you see them come back. And that's because the teams just sit off and they don't know and they don't have a solution to really break them down. So United play Everton away at Goodison Park, as I mentioned this weekend. That's where we start our Saturday night coverage. Really fascinating to see how they recover after a trip to Turkey this week after a couple of results that have not gone their way. John, you mentioned it elsewhere in the group, Leipzig and PSG. Despite Michael Bridges, Nostril Damas, predicting that uh, ah, it's United and Leipzig all the way, this group looks like it's really open all of a sudden because Leipzig had a great win in the end over PSG. Yeah, it's opened up big time. I, I actually fear for United in this group. I, I think PSG, once uh, they get their players back from injury, um, they've got a couple of players out. Uh, Neymar and Mbappe didn't play this morning. Uh, and Leipzig, you always fancy them because they're, they're a decent side that um, they're well coached under Nagelsmann. You can see that it doesn't matter who's playing in that side, that they're, they're able to uh, break teams down, that, that they, they actually... Um, not only compress teams, they know how to sit off and actually make sure they're hard to beat as well. So it's opened it up big time, and I, I do feel for Man United. In Group G, a couple of results this morning. Barcelona far too good for Dinamo Kiev. We knew that would happen. Elsewhere, Ferenc Varos sadly couldn't beat Dave Juventus, <laughs> although they did score in that 4-1 defeat. But, uh, Johnny, just quickly on Juve, Alvaro Morata, another double. It seems like this is where he should be because his first in at the club went pretty well as well. He looks all of a sudden like a much different player when he plays for them. He does. Uh, he seems like, uh, you know, he settles down in Italy. Maybe the Italian style of football suits him. Maybe the way that Juventus treat him uh, actually uh, suits the way he is as a person because whenever he's been elsewhere, he struggled, even at Atletico Madrid. I don't think they got the best out of him. He seemed like he wasn't happy. Um, whereas at Juventus, uh, you know, he's hit the ground running again and another two goals. I think that's four already in the Champions League so far this season. So he's um, he's doing really well and Juventus should get through this group along with Barcelona. Now, John, before we let you go, looking ahead to the Premier League this weekend, a couple of massive ones. We spoke yesterday a bit about Manchester City and Liverpool. Two sides are in good form after wins midweek in the Champions League. What else are you looking out for this weekend? Well, I think you already mentioned the uh, the game with uh, uh, Everton Man United. The, the reason why it's a big game is because Everton have uh, you know, they've hit a brick wall, really, with the injuries they've had. They've struggled in the last two games, and even you can put the Liverpool game in that. So that they haven't won for three games. But uh, there's, there's quite a few good games uh, coming up. You know, Chelsea, all right, they, you expect them to beat Sheffield United, but they have to back up. 
and um, Arsenal, Aston Villa. Arsenal really need to kick start this season. They had a good win uh, on the weekend against Man United, but um, you know it's now time for them to back it up and uh, and beat Aston Villa at home. Yeah, after playing Mulder on Friday morning our time in Australia in the Europa League, Arsenal at home to Villa. That one is on Monday morning. Uh, John, it's been great to have your company the last few days. We'll see you on the weekend. Yep, see you Saturday night. Can't wait, boys. Cheers, John. Dave, just looking elsewhere this weekend, the weekend fixtures in the Premier League actually kicks off with Brighton at home to Burnley. Now, there are those out there, I'm sure, that will say, oh, Brighton and Burnley, that's not really my cup of tea. Well, Burnley need to start winning because they haven't won yet. And Brighton's team sheet will be interesting because Matty Ryan, for the first time last week, was dropped. Whether he was rested, not too sure. But the guys in the editorial lab here at Optus Sport have been doing a bit of digging on some of Matty's stats this season. It hasn't been the season that he's had the last few. No, that is right. And I'm actually uh, bringing those stats up now if I can find them while I'm talking to you. The evidence is actually there a little bit. His save percentage um, is well down on last year and it's actually really poor comparative to his peers in the Premier League. Combine that with their set-piece problems, maybe the evidence is there why Graham Potter might have just given him a bit of time out of the spotlight. Uh, Keep an eye out for that piece, which will also have some insight from Mark Schwarzer about uh, Matt Ryan, how he can react to this disappointment. That'll be on the Sport app later on Thursday ahead of the weekend. But... um, Big game. These are the these are the quintessential six pointers. These ones. Brighton wouldn't fancy themselves to be in a relegation battle, but they need to get these points against Burnley at home. And obviously, a big part of the pressure on the back has been the fact that up front they haven't been taking advantage of when they've been dominating mm. games or been really good in games. They haven't yet got the return that they maybe feel they deserve. And it'll be interesting to see if Neil Mope is back in contention because he was almost mm. so, Matt Ryan was sidelined because of maybe his form. Neil Mope was sidelined because he's becoming a bit too big of a head. Yeah. Big Freeze Boots. I didn't really believe that when I first read it. I wonder, are these the first phrase just sort of around the edges of Brighton, not getting the results? The expectations were a little bit higher, but they will be in a relegation fight on the current form. So too Burnley looking for their first win. Southampton, Newcastle, the other game on Saturday morning. And then Everton Man U starts us off on Saturday night. Crystal Palace at home to Leeds. Rodrigo for Leeds has also tested positive for the coronavirus. So this is happening, sadly, more than we would like. Chelsea and Sheffield United... Dave, this is a Chelsea win to nil, if ever there was such a thing. Frank Lampard's been given a real hand by the fixture list. I think I said this yesterday as well, uh, between the Champions League and the Premier League. Just at the time where they were embedding in their defence, they've had some fixtures where the attack can start to flex his muscles a little bit. Poor old Chris Wilder and Sheffield United. They'll want to put in a backs-against-the-wall performance, but at Stamford Bridge, nothing less than a 2 or 3-0 would be. Uh, that would be par for Chelsea, you would think. How about 7 a.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time on Sunday morning? What a time. West Ham and Fulham in a London derby. Fulham riding high, a big victory, Mm. and I'm going to say seven days ago I predicted it right here, Dave, they would beat West Brom, but West Brom aren't very good at the moment. They need to find a result when they play Spurs at home on Saturday night, or Sunday night, I should say. Then it's Leicester and Wolves is a really good game. I'm looking forward to that one. This could be arguably the game of the weekend. Also really interesting because... All of Leicester's uh, really, really good success has actually actually been on the road. And they've been, we saw against Leeds, just sensational on the counter-attack. But Wolves are too canny for that. And these are almost two teams that might play cat and mouse with each other a little bit. So I'm really intrigued to see how Bielsa goes against Nuno Espirito Santo. Rogers. 
I, I hope Bielsa hasn't gone. What to did Leicester. I say? Did I just say Bielsa? Come on, mate. Every, <laughs> everybody wants him, but you can't have him. Bielsa Rogers. That's a real compliment to Brendan Rogers. Really interesting how they go matching up against each other because it's going to be a real battle of wits. You know what? You say it's a compliment to Rogers, but he, uh, I freely admit, did a job the other morning mm. on Bielsa. I thought the way they got their tactics, they're tailor made to play a team like Leeds, but these two teams match up really well. I say it arguably could be the game of the weekend. Purely because it's in the shadow of the big one, right? Manchester City and Liverpool. Sometimes these games can't live up to the hype, but this will be a really interesting test because if City lose, they'll be eight points behind the Reds. Yes, it's early in the season, but like you said with six-pointers, Dave, early season matches count too. <laughs> Is this the grand final this year? Like the last two seasons, it's been, we've built it as a grand final and this one's crept up on us. Where we're going, are Manchester City the real deal this year? Are they going to get to their best at some point this season? Uh, where's Pep Guardiola? Schwartz, put it really interestingly yesterday that he felt that Pep Guardiola is tired and that's rubbing off on his players. So if there's ever occasion they have to be back to their very best, it's here. But I must admit, I'm just in awe of the way Liverpool have responded to the challenge of Virgil van Dijk being out and uh, prove that they're going to still be one hell of a force to knock off this year. Oh, they've been phenomenal. Joel Matip back on the bench too. It'll be interesting to see whether Klopp starts with Matip. I think maybe not. If you can't do 90 minutes, you don't start with the centre half. But the youngsters have come in and done well. Uh, the Williams uh, and Phillips uh, combination, if you like, in tandem this week have done really well with uh, Gomez He'll alongside them. them. He'll back them. Yeah. He's, done it. He's done it with plenty of players so far before. It would, it would surprise me if he rattled the cage again here. Exactly. Then it all rounds out with Arsenal and Aston Villa on Monday morning. Big weekend as always, Dave. It's been a pleasure to have your company during the week. Enjoy it all. Thank you. Thank you. been great fun and more stuff to come over the next three days. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. When we're recording here on Thursday, tomorrow, only the 24 matches live <laughs> and up to sport from the Europa League. The barn dance, if you will, after the beautiful waltz of the Premier League midweek. Can't wait for that in the morning. Then it's Premier League action. It's been great to have you with us as always this week. We'll catch you next time. Between now and that next time, enjoy your football. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.